0: Ladies and gentlemen, guys and girls, a different kind of interview. We don't do these normally, but this is a very important subject because next to me, I've got a guy who is the owner and founder, managing director. What's your official title of SQM? Managing director of SQM Research. Okay. Louis Christopher has had a massive day. He's been up since... Five o'clock, he's been across every major media outlet, the Australian, front page of the Financial Review, the Telegraph, ABC, and uh, he's leaving here in the Inner West in around half an hour, and he's got another two interviews. It's been a massive day, Louis. It's been a massive day, and the reason why it's a massive day is you've brought up a subject that affects pretty much every Australian. Just about. Just about. Quite right through. And um, I wanted to have you on here. We got incredible response last time you came on the Sunday night rant. They said, here's a guy that seems to know what he's talking about. He's talking from a position of data. So firstly, to all the people that are watching this, most are real estate agents, but also like the guy that's asked a question, is not a real estate. So there's a lot of people that are buyers, investors, oh, yeah. consumers. Yep. The question I want to put to you, Louis, is what is Labor's negative gearing policy and capital gains tax proposals? What are they? Just let's clear up what they are.
1: Okay, understood. So Labor wishes to change negative gearing and ultimately they wish to phase a lot of it out. Uh, They wish to keep negative gearing still on new property, but existing properties will be phased out uh, pretty much immediately. There will be what they call grandfathering provision. So if you're an existing property investor and you own an investment property that's making losses at this point in time, you still get to keep the negative gearing benefit. But... After this policy is enacted, yes. If you go and buy a property as an investor, yes. You will not be able to offset any losses that property makes against other income that you may well be earning. Okay. There are some exceptions to the rule. We've just mentioned before that negative gearing will stay on new property. If you are a more wealthy person. And you have other assets earning income. So you've got other properties, shares or business, whatever it may well be. The losses on that property can still be offset against the income earned from those other assets. You just will not be able to offset those losses against your wage income. And that's a critical point because what it means is for the wealthy among us, this change is not going to affect us.
0: Okay, well, that's uh, that's something that uh, I think uh, everyone should be clear about. So, um, some people are affected more than others on that. Aspect. Some
1: people are affected more than others. That is correct. Now, personally, I find this notion that it's still the wealthy are still going to be able to get all of it kind of ironic, because uh, you know, effectively, it's affecting some of Labour's base here. Right. Um, and by the way, I want to
0: make it very clear to everyone that's watching this. In no way is this in any way trying to be a message to influence what political
1: party you're voting. We're we're, we're stating what the policy is. We are stating what the policy is. And there is good and bad, and that that is is, uh, uh, a fair point. Uh, What we're trying to do here with this report is forecast, because we think it's very likely now Labor's going to win, forecast what may well happen down to a city level for dwelling prices over the next few years and rents for the next few years, taking into account a scenario where interest rates are cut and then taking into account a scenario where interest rates are not cut. Okay. So, Louis,
0: apart from the negative gearing, can I just quickly get you to clarify if Labor did get in, what would they do with capital gains tax?
1: So capital gains tax, at the moment there is a concession they call it the capital gains tax concession, and basically what that is is, is that the Libs put this in some years ago, where they'll only charge half the normal capital gains tax that you would normally pay based on your marginal rate of tax.
0: Okay, so I sell a house. Yep. For one point five, I bought it for a million. Yeah. Sell it three years later, I yep. make five hundred thousand dollar profit. Correct. Under the current policy yep. that's in place now, yep. how much tax would I pay on the 500?
1: So in this instance, you would be on the highest marginal rate of tax given the fact we're talking about a $500,000 gain effectively. So uh, the normal situation used to be that you would pay 47.5% tax effectively on that gain, but given the current concession, you only pay half of that. Right. Okay? So... What Labor wants to do is they want to reduce the concession by half. Right. Okay. So basically, uh, most investors will end up paying more capital gains tax when they sell. Okay. So what was you're basically saying capital gains tax will double. Potentially, for some investors, that could be the case. It really does depend on what your marginal rate of tax is. Right. Okay. So oh, That's, a, that's okay. a pretty cool thing. Well, let's assume that you know it's a big gain. Yeah. Automatically bring you up to the top marginal rate of tax uh, for uh, you know the first hundred and eighty odd thousand dollars. Then you, for the rest, you're going to be paying effectively um, the top marginal rate of tax less a smaller concession. Okay. But 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 but. But my understanding
0: of the, the, the proposed policy, Louis, mm. is that um, uh, if it's a brand new apartment off the plan type properties, yeah. they're not affected.
1: They're not affected by negative gearing. Right. Okay, I think the CGT would still apply. Okay, so they're not affected
0: by negative gearing. So the negative gearing change. Okay, so, so that's interesting because Labor, the Labour will turn around and, and say, hey, but we're still going to do it for new property.
1: Yeah. So why would they do that? Well, they believe by leaving negative gearing on new property, that's still going to encourage supply of new property into the housing market. They believe that investors will start buying in their droves new property, off-the-plan developments, new estates. They think investors are going to move big time. But that's bullshit. I'm
0: I'm an auctioneer. I'm an investor. I work in real estate, and I can tell you smart, shrewd investors... Do not often buy uh, off the project, off the market, brand new, off the plant sales. They go in knowing that capital growth normally comes from established property, um, and that normally is you know houses in you know good areas. Sometimes units, but even units, they'll 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 look at an art. In, for instance, in Summerhill, yes, I'll pick an Art Deco unit over a brand new unit.
1: Yes. Yes, right. yes, and personally, I would do the same as well. Look, I look at off-the-plan developments. There's some good ones out there. There are some opportunities, but by and large, like, they can be fairly risky. Often, they can be like buying a new car off the showroom floor. The moment you take it out, you start seeing some depreciation occur. And that is the case because with new property, there's lots of new fixtures and fittings right. which tend to depreciate. And you know they generally come on at a large premium to the market. right. So Labor's premise here is that, okay, investors, if we discourage investors from buying existing properties because they no longer will have negative gearing, they'll go and buy new properties. That's where they'll go. Yeah, but we know
0: we're the men on the on the ground, we're the front line, and what they're suggesting I don't think will actually eventuate.
1: I think it's unlikely as well. Right. Uh, and... The reason why um, they, they've put this forward is they believe that that will continue to in, uh, see housing construction for new properties rise, right. okay? So they think it will help on the supply side. I'm not so sure. And the reason why they've done this is because back in the 1980s when negative gearing was effectively completely repealed, housing construction fell big time. Okay.
0: So, so, so we're moving on now because I want everyone to know that Louis hasn't just schemed up this idea at night time, thinking, this is what I think is going to happen. You've got, you know, case studies and you've done it on, on modeling. So it was
1: in the eighties, uh, Paul Keating was the prime minister. So back in the eighties, uh, June, 1985. Yeah. Interesting days, right? Inflation was higher at the time, of course. Uh, 12, I, was in year, I, was in, I was in year 12 doing my HSC. I was in year seven. <laughs> wow. I was in year seven riding a skateboard.
0: Okay. So, so you're so in year seven That so- somewhere along the line became a, a, an economist, and an intelligent, savvy forecaster, mm-hmm. and I ended up becoming an auctioneer and a video blogger. So there you go. <laughs> you went to a better school and you got uh-huh. a higher IQ. Uh-huh. So in so 1985, uh, Paul Keating comes along
1: and says, we're getting rid of negative gearing. That's right, so he did. And this is what happened. In cities where there was a bit of a rental shortage happening, and it was a case here in Sydney, landlords immediately started lifting the rents to take into account the fact they no longer had this concession. And housing construction fell away because investors were no longer going to get the negative gearing or so not as interested in property anymore. It's what happened on rents, which was really, really. So, are we talking high increases? So with rents yeah. in Sydney between nineteen eighty five, June eighty five through to September eighty seven, where Keating changed his mind, yeah, fought back and he Rents lifted by over thirty percent just in that period. Of in life. two years. In two years. Two
0: years. Rents went up thirty percent, and then you are saying is, two years later he's done a backflip.
1: Yeah, that's right, because rents were really taking off. The ABS says that Sydney rents went over 30%. Right. Uh, The REIA has got a series on three-bedroom houses, and they show that rents for three-bedroom houses rose by 43%. Right. From June 85 through to September 87. This is a huge rise.
0: And the tenant pays the
1: rents. The tenant pays the rents, of course. So so that was what happened in Sydney. Some other cities didn't rise like that. Cities where there was ample supply of rental stock, the rents didn't rise that much. So it was really dependent on where the city was in the property cycle in terms of how that city was affected by the negative gearing change. And, And so we're forecasting this time around that, yes, once again, it's going to be dependent on which city where the city sits in the property cycle as we go into this period. Okay. We're going to have, with this
0: presentation, we're going to have a link to your report. Yep. But I'd like doing a top line on this video now. Yes, yes. I'd like to do a top line on this video. Now, what do you think is going to happen to the following? Rents, prices of... um, Sales properties, yeah. yeah, and because there's a large real estate agent audience watching this who care about turnover, yeah, they get paid on turnover. Yeah. And I'm going to tell you at the moment, Louis, they're it's in hard. pain, yeah, they're in pain. We've seen the numbers, we know they're down big time in, in turnover. turnover. Absolutely, real estate agents. Now, I know real estate agents that have gone and taken line of credits on their family home. To actually pay for their expenses of their business while this period that's seen a reduction of properties being sold. So I want to get your view on: Could it get worse?
1: Yes, potentially. Uh, Indeed, if uh, we see this policy change, our forecast is that firstly covering dwelling prices. Yeah. We're expecting dwelling prices nationwide, as a capital city average, to fall. 7 to 12% over a three-year period. Um, that's from 2020 through to 2022 inclusive. Uh, and uh, that, that, that change there is depend on which city we're talking about. Sydney and Melbourne, we think the price falls could be more. Um, Brisbane and Perth, we think the price falls are, are going to be very negligible. Indeed, we still think prices may well rise in Perth. Uh, now, this assumes, Tom, that we're going to get a rate cut so this this modelling already assumes that we're going to get a rate cut later this year. We think it will happen. Does SQM
0: forecast a rate cut?
1: Yeah, we are. We still think that, it, that we, we do believe there's going to be a rate cut because the economy is becoming increasingly patchy. And this is something that Labor should consider here, right? Why is the economy patchy right now? Because we're having a housing downturn, which is affecting construction as it currently stands. Okay, so, so, so Louis... Seven to thirteen percent
0: forecast in three years. National average prices of dwellings to go down. Sydney, Melbourne more profound than others.
1: Yeah, yeah. So um, we're saying, sorry to be clear, seven to twelve percent for Sydney. The overall forecast for all the cities, as an average, is eight minus eight to minus four percent. We're saying that uh, basically Melbourne could fall somewhere between minus eight to minus thirteen percent. And the reason why Sydney and Melbourne we're forecasting bigger price falls is because those two cities on our numbers are still fairly overvalued from from the the boom we had between 2012 through to 2017. Okay, so there's a bit more to come. And uh, so hence the reason why we think prices are going to fall a bit more in Sydney and Melbourne. Uh, Other cities, as mentioned, Perth, we're not really expecting... Uh, Declines. Adelaide. So let so clear. This is this is using an assumption that rates get cut. Rates get cut. That's right. What if rates don't get cut? Well, yeah. uh, the modelling shows price falls will be more. So our forecast, in a case of uh, rates basically not being cut, is that dwelling prices could fall by up to 12% nationwide, over and above the 2019 levels. Okay. So, once again, Sydney and Melbourne would be hit the hardest uh, and other cities would not be hit as hard, but all cities would suddenly be negatively affected in terms of dwelling prices. Okay. But, Louis, when you think about it, yeah. what was
0: the, the thought process that Labor had originally about bringing in a policy? Was it to make housing more affordable yeah look they're
1: looking to i think i wanted to try and achieve two things i think they they're looking to try and make housing more affordable and i think they're trying to try try and make a saving on their budget to, to put elsewhere in the economy so that they, they believe that they're going to make a considerable saving by uh repealing also changing negative gearing. so that's that's where they've come from and, the first part in terms of, okay, we'll get some initial price falls is true. Right? So that, that, if you look and say, well, that helps improve affordability, in part that is correct. One thing, though, we believe is that rents are likely to rise. Okay, not by the same magnitude that we had in the 80s, but nevertheless, they will rise. And we, we take that view because we of the strong opinion that housing construction is going to fall as a result of this change. And given our very strong population growth rates, that's eventually going to put pressure on rents because we'll have a shortage of rental uh, stock probably in years two to three after the policy change. Okay. Louis, um, for the real
0: estate agents here watching this that are concerned about sales volume, which has been challenging at the moment anyway, can I ask you, have you been able to come up with a forecast on what, this kind of policy will do on transaction numbers?
1: Our forecast is that uh, sales turnover is likely to fall by around 12% from 2019 levels. Right. It's likely to happen in the first couple of years where so we see uh, turnover uh, fall like that. Then it will stabilise. And all this, Tom, so we're, we're saying that this whole period's not going to last forever. Right. It's likely to be a three-year period where most of the pain's going to be felt in years one and two. Right. Then the market will return to equilibrium. Right. But that first year, yes. And that second year, we think sales are going to fall. Sales turnover is going to fall by some 12%. Right. Okay. Um, how does it
0: work? Let's assume the, there's an election and we wake up and we get the Sunday papers yeah. and it says Labor's in and there's a photo of Bill Shorten doing a speech. Yeah. When does the actual policy, like if it goes ahead, I mean, yeah. that's, the, that's the other thing. They. Yeah. They may choose to not actually go ahead. Yeah, but there's nothing to suggest that that's the case at the moment.
1: No, it's there's nothing. I mean, I, I'm I'm sure there are industry bodies speaking with them, trying to get them to change their mind. Obviously, it's got to pass Senate, uh, and who knows what the Senate composition will be um, after the next election. So, but in its present form, you know, this is how we're based the modelling. But here's how we think it may well go in terms of timing. We've got a May election. Yeah. Let's assume Labor wins. Yeah. We think what they will do next is, is call a mini-budget sometime in August. Yeah. Most mini-budgets tend to happen in August. Yeah. We think they will give time to the ATO to make the change. So we think um, it's likely then it will start 1 July 2020. Yeah. That's just our... It's our assumptions we've done our modelling on the, in terms of a start date. Um, we'll see what happens. They may not follow that way. They may defer it. They may try and bring it forward. Um, you know, they may well make it retrospective, potentially. So, Meaning? Meaning that, okay, when they get in and they pass the Senate, they may well say, let's make it effectively in action 1 July 2019. They could do that. I think that's unlikely, but they could do that. It's possible. Louis, I'm caught in two minds
0: at the moment. So here's the deal. I'm thinking to myself... Go buy an investment property now, reasonable value compared to a year ago. Yeah. Get um, surety that they can't take away the negative gearing off me because of the grant. what do they call the it? Grandfathering. Grand yeah. yeah. But then I think to myself, but hang on a second, what's more valuable to me? The grandfather policy mm. or potentially buying better value in a year's time if what you're saying does eventuate.
1: Yeah, yeah. Well, that's a very good question, Tom. We think that it's possible that we could see a rally in the housing market in the lead up to the date that negative gearing is changed. Right. So I do think that there could be investors out there thinking, let's let's get the negative gearing on the investment property I'm interested in. Let's let's get it now. Particularly if we do see an interest rate cut. Right. We know lower interest rates can stimulate uh, so that combined with say a d-day where you know if you want to get your negative gearing on an existing property better getting by this date um, we could see that. remember remember back in 2000 when the GST was introduced yes there was a bit of a rally in the market yes. prior to that point and then after the d-day we had a bit of a slump yes uh, and that's when at that point in time, we had a situation where the first home owners grant was first introduced to try and stimulate the market again. I think there's a possibility here that what may well happen is that okay, if the market does have a slump, like we think it will post the negative gearing change, that Labour may well say, let's bring in the first time owners grant scheme again. Right. Let's let's try and get all these first home buyers in there. They may well do that. Move, move, move Move other levers. Yeah. Move other levers to try and provide some stability to the market. I think that that is a possibility, and there is a precedent. And Labor, you know, has dabbled in the past with the first home owners grant scheme. Yeah. So I, I put that on the table that that is a possibility. Who knows if it happens or not? We'll see. But I fail to see a situation where okay. If I'm right about our forecast that the market's going to uh, take a bit following this change, that the Reserve Bank of Australia and Labor just sit on their hands. I mean, I think that's unlikely. I think they'll do something. All right. Louis, what we're
0: going to do is we've got a couple of PowerPoint slides that we're going to send out, but we're also going to send out a link that's going to take you to the full report. How many pages is the report? Oh, it's about 30 odd pages. Okay. And what I want you, every real estate agent that's watching this, you know, I preach, we don't want to be salespeople. We want to be trusted advisors. Be a knowledge worker. Read up on what Louis has said. Read up, understand the policy. I think you have an obligation to your client to sit there and talk about the advantages and disadvantages of bringing vendors forward to sell or giving advice to you know people on what are the potential things that may happen after the election. And you're only going to do that by actually being someone that spends time and knowledge is power. We've brought you this webinar and this live stream on Facebook because I'm totally committed to having the real estate agents that I work with, particularly those that are in the real estate gym, you know the importance that I say, let's move away. From being this glitchy, needy, salt person type that you know talks bullshit all the time, read your facts. And I'm not saying Louis got a monopoly on the truth, but what I'm saying is that you've spent. How, how did you go about? You know, like how much time did it take you to put this report together? How did you go about it all?
1: Well, I, I first started this type of research when Labor first introduced this uh, policy back in 2016. And one of the first things I wanted to do, and it's in the report, was have a look at, well, what happens overseas? Right. So, you know, what countries have negative gearing, what countries don't have negative gearing, and what's happened with their markets? And, you know, one of the things that we, we talk about in the report is gross rental yields. Right. Okay, so the, one of the central premises we've got in our report is that gross rental yields will rise as a result of this change. And we were able to prove that point by having a look at overseas to see those countries that actually had negative gearing versus those that don't. And it was very clear, those countries that don't have negative gearing trade on a high gross rental yield, okay, relative to their interest rate. So um, we used a lot of that to work back in our modeling in terms of, right, well, what does this mean? And if yields are going up, what would this mean for prices and what would this mean for rents? And our view was, okay, it's likely a bit of both will change. We're likely to see some price falls. We're likely to see some rent increases. Keeping in mind, we don't think rents are going to rise in an out-of-control way like they did back in the 80s. Right. I think that's unlikely because Labor's uh, policy regarding keeping negative gearing on new property will, will help to a little bit. That will that'll, that'll help somewhat. And the grandfathering will also help somewhat. Um, but nevertheless, there is a policy change. Uh, Needy gearing will not be um, applied on existing properties for new investors uh, once the changes come in and that will have an impact upon the market. All right Louis um, I've got to hand it to you you say it as it is like you do with your auction
0: results. By the way if you want to get if you want to get a true reflection on what actually happens at auctions on a Saturday, Louis Christopher, on his Twitter account, will give you a Sydney, Melbourne and Brisbane number based on collectibles, right? Which is very uh, confusing for consumers because when they're looking at clearance rates on Sundays, uh, what's interesting is both data companies don't end up with a similar number anyway, put that aside, but more interesting is, I know how real estate agents operate, Louis. If a property hasn't sold, sometimes they won't actually answer the phone call. So what gets published
1: on the weekend is properties that are skewed towards those sold. Well, you recall we talked about this last time we got together, Tom. Um, I've always believed that it's really in the agent's interest to report the result, even if it's a failed campaign. The reason is, number one, you're telling the world the property's still for sale. Don't you, want, don't you want potential
0: buyers to know that absolutely but i think you know there's a tendency for real estate agents that don't want to look like they spent four weeks never sold it i, yeah, see, I, I, mean, I, I, I see that I, of I see well. perspective but can yeah. I ask you and i know that you you've got so many so many figures you've had labor people you know having a go at you today uh, <laughs> right so you've uh, you you've, you've been in a boxing round um, all day with some of the most senior people in the labor government will you be able to recall roughly on the weekend what the clearance was Right. Were they in the 30s or
1: 40s? Uh, for Sydney, the preliminary clearance rate, if I recall, is about 54%. Right. And we think that's going to be revised down to about 48%, 49%. Yeah. For Melbourne, um, it was about the same number. Melbourne's final clearance rates are coming in lower than Sydney's right now, which is a rarity. Right. You, you don't normally see that. Melbourne, as we know, is always been a bit of a big auction town. And even in down markets, the clearance rates tend to you know, come in the 50s. So to see Melbourne coming into the 40s shows that Melbourne is having a rather weak market right now. And I do believe prices are still falling in Melbourne as we speak.
0: Okay, guys and girls, you've got enough information and content and you will when you get the links to be able to go sit in with vendors that are currently not on the market, that are thinking of coming on the market, Go in and have a conversation. Explain to them, you know, that potentially uh, they could see uh, more falls, and maybe they're, they're better off coming onto the market now. But you know, your job is to simply interpret the data, explain to them what you think, and then help them progress and make a decision. So, Louis Christopher, I want to thank you so much. Will you do me a favor? You had a big day. Will you do me a favor? We'll get a. We'll get a. Do you drink scotch? Or what do you drink? What's your favorite? <laughs> You drink? We're going to jump in the
1: car now, Tom. But now, I what I'd like know.
0: is at the end of... At which time is your last interview? Nine o'clock? Oh, nine o'clock tonight. Nine o'clock. It's at home? Yeah, it'll be done from home. Okay. So we'll get you a bottle of... Uh, a nice bottle of scotch. I'll try and find the best bottle I've got in there. You can take it with you. And when you finish that final interview, you put some ice, put a scotch, and just have a nice sleep. That's yeah,
1: nice of to you, Tom. Thank
0: you. righty, Guys and girls, that is signing off. Good to see you, Susan. We'll come over here and we'll just uh, end this. And um, guys and girls, you'll get an email. Look forward to speaking to you soon.